Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. You can have a seat. And would you turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus 15, the Old Testament passage we read this morning. If you need a Bible, there's some on the chairs. You'll find Exodus 15 on page 91. 91. Uh, This morning, I want to give both a message and a prayer practice, a prayer exercise for us. This is something I shared with uh, a few of our leaders in the fall, and as we're starting this new year, I just felt like the Lord was inviting me to share it with us all together um, as a church. It's something I do regularly in my own uh, life. I will uh, take my journal um, at the start of a new season, and I will read through all the things that I've written about and that have happened in the last year. Um, I'm not a big journaler. That's not my personality. The first journal I had, I got, I think, in like 2005, and it took me about till 2014 or so to fill it. <laughs> but I do like a journal a year now and have all sorts of things in it, and I'll, I'll read through it, and I'll just make two columns. And I want to invite you to do this in either in your journal or in a page from the bulletin this morning, just make two columns, a left column and a right column. And on the left column, I put hard things that I've been through that year, Uh, laments, challenges, places where I've failed or sinned, griefs that I've had to carry. I put that in the left column, and I want you to label that column this morning from our, our scripture passage in Exodus, bitter. It's our bitter column. And then the right-hand column, as I go through everything that's happened that last season, I I look for places where I can give thanks, places where I can be grateful to the Lord, things that I've seen Him doing, places that have filled me with joy, uh, and even places I've seen Him bring His healing presence into some of the things on that left-hand column. I, I list gratitudes. I want you to head that column this morning with the word sweet, sweet. And as we look through this passage, if the Lord brings things to mind that you would put in each column, you can do that. Or maybe this is something that you'd prefer or like to do uh, later today or later this week in in a place of quiet and and, uh, prayer. And as we do this, we imagine the Lord here with us. He's with us in all those sweet moments. He's with us in all those bitter moments. He is with us this morning as we gather in his name. And so as we think about bitter things and sweet things, we do them with Jesus. It's helpful maybe to just picture him here with us, maybe here at the table, here at his cross, here on a chair in our midst as we gather as his body. In Exodus 15, Israel finds herself in the wilderness. They just crossed the Red Sea. They'd been delivered, and they're going. And they, they journey for three days, it tells us in verse 22, three days into the wilderness. Now, you can go several weeks without food, but you can't go several days without water. Dehydration starts to set in. It begins with just thirstiness but then also with headaches and fatigue and cramps and eventually 
disorientation and confusion. They were in a urgent situation. They weren't just a little tired and thirsty after a 15-minute walk at a park. This was serious. And so they arrive uh, at a spring, but it's not fit to drink. They not only, I think, had a, a physical dehydration, but Israel, in its journey through the wilderness, will be battling a spiritual dehydration as well, where things are just a little bit harder, where there's fatigue that's set in, where there's confusion and disorientation. Where do we find the water? What is good for us to drink? Can we trust and follow the Lord or not? Should we have stayed back in Egypt? They're disoriented by their dehydration, and, and we experience that as well. We experience spiritual dehydration when we haven't drunk in enough of the Lord's presence or when we're in a wilderness place. The things that we used to do get a little bit harder. It gets a little bit harder to pray. It gets a little bit harder to meet the Lord in Scripture. There's a little bit of fatigue there when we think about intentionally connecting with His church. And, and there can even be confusion in our relationships and a disorientation in what's true and what's we, real. And can we trust the Lord? And is He good? And I think we've all been struggling against, in various ways, a spiritual dehydration that has set in in these last 22 months of a pandemic and of social unrest and fracturing that's happened during that as well, or maybe in just other hard things that you or I have been through. What bitter things have you experienced in this last year or two? We've said before, everyone's experience of this pandemic is, is diverse and different. We all, we all think back and remember the the confusion and fear, but also kind of the adrenaline of that first week or two after this really hit and we're at home, but we're connecting online with people and it's novel and we thought Zoom was cool back then. And, and two months later, I remember right before Pentecost weekend, um, George Floyd was killed and what was later determined to be a murder. A week later, Aurora experienced um, violence in a complex intersection of protest, vandalism, substance abuse. Some of us spent months at home feeling disconnected and lonely. Others had to go right back to work in risky situations and confusing protocols. Many of us have been sick. Many of our loved ones have been sick. Some of our loved ones have died. We've been worried about others. Difficult things have happened in our diocese, abuse by a volunteer leader, mistakes in trying to care for survivors and follow up, and a follow-up process in our national church that's gotten complex and people are fighting on Twitter about it. And so much of our life this past year has been lived on social media and on the internet where it's harder to give people the benefit of the doubt, where we only see part of the story, where our fears and anxieties fill in the missing information with the worst case scenarios, where we don't really know the struggles that other people are going through. 
I read a, a recent study from the Kaiser Family Foundation. They released this in April, so after year one of the pandemic. And they found that four in 10 adults showed symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder, a clinical level of anxiety or depression. That's up from one in 10 the year before the pandemic. Four times as many, four times as many of us struggling with anxiety and, and depression. And it was worse for uh, 18 to 29 year olds and especially for mothers, all women and people of color. So if you're a mom and it's felt really hard, <laughs> you've got some proof to back that up. Um, how, do, how have we responded to that different fear and anxiety, to the disconnection and isolation and stress? In the midst of all of that, did, a, did an old coping mechanism come back? Did a, a sin that you thought you'd left behind kind of come forward into your life? Did a new sin or coping mechanism or unhealthy habit make its way into your daily reality. I know for a lot of you who have children, you've told me this fall, like the return to all the in-person school and activities, but with all the complications of COVID protocols has made your life feel busier and more stressful than ever and feeling more disconnected um, than ever from both the Lord and his church. Maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. You're like, I feel disconnected from God. I feel disconnected from the church, from us. You're not alone. We're all struggling to feel connected to the Lord and to one another. Maybe there's a relationship in your family, workplace, or friend group that got strained or broken this year. Maybe there's other relationships that are just hard. And when we experience that kind of disconnection, that kind of loneliness, if we're not careful, it can lead to mistrust and frustration and anger. We feel like maybe we're the only ones struggling and everyone else is fine, or maybe everyone else is getting together without us. We see the social media posts and we fill in the blanks and we don't know everything that's going on because when we're feeling disconnected, it's easier to kind of believe the worst or to make assumptions or to do what Peter Scazzaro calls mind reading where this is what they must be thinking. And it usually lines up with our deepest fears. And it's already harder to follow up on something like that that happens over text or in person because we're feeling spiritually dehydrated. It takes more energy than we have to follow up and, and reconcile. It takes more energy than we have to assume the best and not the worst about people. When we're feeling disconnected, it's hard to make the effort to intentionally connect. That's true with Jesus. That's true with one another. We're spiritually dehydrated, some of us. I know I feel that in, in these days. I, I'm, I'm exhausted trying to pastor a church in a pandemic that just won't end. It's exhausting. It's disorienting. Have you just felt like you're not quite yourself? Yourself? 
we're focusing this epiphany on this idea of being together with Jesus. Because we need, we need that closeness to the Lord. We need deeper connection to him. And we, we need closeness with one another. We need deeper connection to one another. And you know, those things are, they, they go together. As we are able to connect more deeply with the Lord, we're able to connect more deeply with one another. And, and listen, church, this is really important. As we connect more deeply with one another, we're able to connect more deeply with the Lord. All of those things encourage one another. It's, it's like the, the triangle, right, where all the relationships move together toward Jesus. If, if you're struggling to connect to Jesus, part of it might be that it's been so hard to connect to one another. Have you written down some of those bitter things on, on the left-hand column? What's been the biggest one for you? Maybe it's just been frustration out of, uh, about how all things pandemic or, or, or otherwise have been handled. Maybe you're just like really annoyed with the, the state of the world. Maybe you're, you're bitter at the, at the Lord that this has all happened and why did it have to happen? Maybe there's something in your life where you're just like, Lord, why did that have to happen? Did you notice the name of the spring in the Exodus passage? You know, remember what it's called? Mara. Does that name sound familiar? It happens another place in Scripture. Does anyone remember? The book of Ruth. That's right. It happens in Ruth that Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, who's seen all this tragedy, as she comes back into Israel, she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Naomi means God's pleasant one. It's almost like a uh, uh, an echo of the passage we read last week where the father says to the son, this is whom I delight in. But Naomi's like, Naomi's like don't call me that anymore. I don't think God delights in me anymore. Uh, I don't think he thinks I'm the pleasant one anymore because look at all the suffering I've had to go through. Don't call me the delighted one of God. Call me bitter. And the suffering that she'd been through um, had become uh, the, the way she understood herself and her identity, not as the beloved of the Lord, but as, as the, the bitter one. We resonate with that, right? you felt that, haven't you? The Lord shows Moses a log, a piece of wood, our, our New International Version says, but it's, it's really not just like a stick. It's like a, a large section of a tree. Think Think trunk and, and bark and branches and leaves. And they, they hoist it in. And uh, like many miracles in the Bible, this, this could be a combination of, uh, it's a combination of the natural created things, a, a tree, and also the supernatural power of the Lord. Maybe it was a tree that had some properties that could um, flavor or sweeten the water. I don't know what kind of trees those might be. Maybe, maybe you know eucalyptus. I, I don't know. I don't know. But so it, it, it's, it, there's like a natural reality to it, but, but it's the, the work of the Lord then to, to perform this miracle. They have to do something physical with this tree, but it goes in. Could we imagine the Lord years before Israel arrives at this, at this place, putting that tree there, knowing what he would do as it begins as a seed and grows into a sapling. This is the tree 
that will provide for his people when they journey in the wilderness. This is the tree that God will use to bring a healing to those waters. He's prepared it ahead of time in a, a moment of anticipatory providence. Before they knew they needed it, God provided it. It's the same thing he was doing for Naomi the bitter. Before she knew the, the, the means of her redemption, God had already set everything in motion that she would need. Could we believe that he's doing the same thing for us? Could you believe that he's doing the same thing for you, that already plans have been set in motion, provision has been made, you haven't seen it yet, but it's coming when the Lord will heal. I remember friends uh, telling me a story that they had received unexpectedly a, a financial gift, a check in the mail from acquaintances who, who just said, hey, the Lord told us to write you this check. And they got the check and they were like, well, what, what should we do with it? We could go buy, buy something, you know, go somewhere fun. And the next day their car broke down. <laughs> they get checks a little bit differently when they come out of the blue now. They're like, we'll just set that aside. Um, <laughs> They went and got the estimate for the repairs, and it was the amount of the check. It was God's anticipatory providence. We've had that happen to us in different ways, too. Sometimes God does that with a financial provision. Sometimes he does it with a, a scripture verse. He gives to you as you're reading his word that you needed that day, didn't know you would need it. One of you was sharing with me a testimony that in a time of prayer, the Lord had brought just an image a, a word of encouragement and didn't really understand what it meant and then went through a, a few really hard weeks and you're praying with someone here at the church and the Lord brought that image back to your mind and now you knew the Lord had given it to you so that you could make it through that hard season he, he'd given it before you knew you needed it this is what the Lord does He's already making a way for the bitter waters of your life to be turned sweet. We've seen the Lord do that for us as a church family. I've seen it even, I think, most powerfully in just the scripture passages he's given us over the last 22 months. He gave us Psalm 46, the Lord is my refuge and my strength. He just gave it, he gave it to us when we needed it. Seemed like week after week, the, the word has been just what we needed. And then Exodus this past summer, the Lord keeps giving us gifts through that book and that series to strengthen us. It's like God has prepared meals for us ahead of time, and he put them in Tupperwares, and he put little sticky notes on them. This is for Monday. This is for Tuesday. He puts them all in the fridge, and he's got them ready. He's got them prepared for what we'll need. It's God's anticipatory providence, and he includes us in that. How'd that tree get there? You know, what was the, I, I kind of like to imagine, this is like completely made up, but like what if, what if he had a shepherd plant that tree 50 years earlier? He uses us to bring that kind of encouragement to one another, doesn't he? We become trees, we become trees planted next to others' bitter experiences. 
so that the healing and sweetness of Jesus can come. City of light is planted here as a tree to bring healing to others' bitter things, to be a, a people and a place where we can come spiritually dehydrated and where we can drink deeply of Jesus together, where those who've experienced sufferings can come and find healing. For us, the bitter is not turned sweet all at once. Often the sweetness and bitterness for us in our lives are intermingled. But we hold on to the promise of the Lord that he is taking those bitter things in the left-hand column and slowly moving them to the right-hand column, slowly bringing sweetness, bringing redemption, bringing healing. Amen. What are your thanksgivings this year? What are those things in the sweet column where you've seen the joy of the Lord, where his presence has been with you, maybe even in the bitter things? And do you see yet any of those things in the left-hand column that maybe just need a line and an arrow drawn into the right hand? Maybe you have some already. Maybe you don't. That's okay. They will be. They will be made sweet. Israel went through slavery and wilderness so that God could bring a blessing to the nations through them. What does God want to do in and through us that he can only do as he uses our suffering and transforms it and transforms us? What fruit, what tree is he planting in us so that others can taste the sweetness and healing of the Lord? Moses throws the tree into the waters, verse 25, and the water became sweet. Praise the Lord. And there the Lord speaks to them and says, if you listen to the Lord and do what's right and follow him, the Lord says, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. The idea of disease there is it's a synonym for a plague. And the first plague that God brings on the people of Egypt is to take drinkable water in the Nile and make it undrinkable. But that's not how God treats his people. So the first miracle God performs in the wilderness is to take undrinkable water and make it drinkable. It's the opposite of a plague. That is who God is. God is not the one who brings plagues, but he's the one who brings healing. And so he says, I am the Lord who heals you. Who heals all of the trauma and suffering of your oppression and slavery. Who heals all of those griefs. Who takes the bitterness and makes it sweet. If you Go on our own way. If we follow our own way, friends, the bitter gets more bitter. But when we follow the way of Jesus, when we come to him to drink, when we come to him for our healing, the bitter is healed and made sweet. I am the Lord, your healer, the Lord says. What a promise. Thank God that God is our healer. Do you need a healer? 
Aren't you glad our Lord is a healer? Praise the Lord. What would we do if he wasn't? Why would we even be here if he wasn't? But he is. Our Lord is a healer. And that promise is for us in, in the New Testament, in, in the letter that Peter wrote. He, he says that after you've suffered a little while, and that little while is a little ironic there, like the church he was writing to was suffering a lot for a long while. But in comparison, he says, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to eternal glory, the suffering is not eternal, it's for a little while. It's little and light compared to the weight of eternal glory. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he himself will restore. Hallelujah. He himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, plant you. He himself will restore. He is the God who brings healing in our suffering. And that's for us. That, that's for his church universal. That's for our church. That's for me. And that is for you. After you've suffered a little while, God himself will restore you will strengthen you, will plant you. Praise the Lord. He will take the bitterness in your life. In fact, he has already put plans in motion. He has already planted the tree in the wilderness that will be for your healing and for the healing of the nations. It's the tree of anticipatory providence that he has a healing path prepared for you and he will walk with you in it. He will lead you. Moses takes the tree and throws it in the waters and the, the bitter waters are made sweet. Jesus nails himself to a tree and he throws himself into the bitter waters of all of our sin, all of our suffering, all of our death. He enters into those waters, but he rises again up out of the water so that the, the cup of our life and the suffering of our life is not a cup of bitterness we have to drink. But Jesus takes it and he drinks it so that we don't have to. And he gives it back to us, no longer bitter, no longer more than we can take, but a cup of sweetness because it's suffering in his name. And it's for him and with him and in him. Through his life poured out on the cross, he pours himself into our suffering, sin, and pain. And he transforms it. Because of his suffering on the cross, our suffering turns into glory. Praise the Lord. And he gives us in turn the living water of his very own spirit that wells up in us to eternal life. Maybe things in your left-hand column that you need more time to lament, that you need to be angry about, invite you to spend time with the Lord in prayer. 
And when he invites you to, to begin to ask him to bring healing to those things. And to also spend time in that right-hand column giving thanks for the places the Lord is already bringing his sweetness, the sweetness of his presence into your life. You know, the most dangerous and devastating part of spiritual dehydration and confusion is that in our thirst, we look for other things to drink instead of the presence of Jesus. What I need and what you need and what we all need is to be together with Jesus. So drink deeply of the healing waters of Jesus and of his body, the church. Bring him the bitter things in your life. And receive the beginnings of the healings of his cross. That starts now and continues until in the end, all the bitter is made sweet. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.